Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I hope that you have had a great week, an encouraging week. Um, I'm going to tell you, you know, grab your Bibles, and we're not going to be turning to Hebrews 12 for quite a while, but if you want to go ahead and, you know, be an overachiever, go for it. Get to Hebrews 12 at any, any point in time. I do want to uh, throw a plug here real quick to the Prepare Him Room book. Uh, it's our Advent book that, that we're giving to you as the church. We ask that you take one per household. Even though you might have 20 people in your house, please take one. Um, and if you haven't started reading, please start reading. If you haven't grabbed one yet, please grab one. I, I was out there right before the service started and noticed the table was empty. So we put more out there. So if you didn't get it, get it. And if you didn't get one, you get out there and they're gone again, come see me. Um, again, it's really simple. There's 24 readings. We're reading through the book of Luke, 24 chapters. On Christmas Day, you're done. Um, but in preparation for the coming of Christ, his birth, and then also his future return, that's what Advent is all about. Um, it's, it's really good. And so I, I like it that as a church, we're all reading together out of the Bible. Um, and if you don't want to read the book, that's fine. At least pick up the Bible, read Luke. Today is December 5th, so we're in Luke 5. Uh, make sure also that you share with somebody, whether it's social media, a phone call, a, a text message, an email, whatever it may be. If you found something interesting in, this, in the book or in Scripture, share it with another person. Be an encouragement to one another. Sound good? Excellent. Okay. Well, we're going to take a little test here before we get started. And um, basically, this is a self-examination test. And uh, you're going to judge where you're at on this on a scale 1 to 10. The question is, how patient of a person are you? One is, I am not even close to being patient. I can't even spell it. I don't, I don't like it. And 10 is, I am super patient. Go ahead, test me. I'm a very patient person, okay? Where do you land on that scale of being a patient person? Not, yes. And if you're having problems, if you're sitting there going, I am a super patient person, let me give you, throw out a couple things your direction just to test you to see if uh, that really is a, a correct answer. How patient of a person are you when it comes to receiving something in the mail? Now, I'm going to date myself big time if I say, you remember the JCPenney catalogs? I date myself right away when I said that before. I'm going to change that up. Do you remember Columbia House and you could order as many cassette tapes as you wanted, like 12 for a penny as long as you bought three more within a year. Okay, that was me. I was, I was always getting those. But here's the problem. As, as a, I, was, I was real young. As a kid, waiting for those cassettes, um, it took forever. I mean, when's my music coming, right? Today you're like, Spotify, boom, I'm listening, right? We had to wait forever for that music to arrive. And then, if you want to, want to go this way now, we have a thing called Amazon Prime. Wow. Okay, so now it's probably two days it's going to be here. And so like last week, we ordered those Advent books. A couple weeks ago, we ordered those Advent books. And in two days, boom, there they were. Two big boxes. You know, and they came at the right time, appropriate time. It's like, wow, this is perfect, right? And then last week, we ran out of books, which is great because that means over 100 households in this church are reading together. So I ordered another 50. Well, four days later, three boxes later... They arrived, and I was a little, you know, impatient because I thought I got two days. Well, now they extended it, right, four days? Are you kidding me? I have to admit, I was a little impatient. Being impatient is hard. Waiting is hard, isn't it? Let me give you a, a picture up on the screen that 
um, sort of reminds me of being a patient person. The picture just reminds me like just waiting around. And I was thinking about this. Women, when you have a baby, it's nine months you are waiting. There is no Amazon Prime for babies, okay? Some of you are like, I wish there was. Two days, boom, I got my baby. But you need that nine months. That baby needs that nine months. That's a long time to wait for a special little person to come along, right? We wait in line all the time. Some of you are like me. You wait in line, and then you look for the shorter line to get in. And if you're like me driving on a turnpike and you get to the exit, you're driving in at uh, 30-something looking for the shortest line and who looks like they're slow in their line and who looks like they're fast. Some of us just aren't that patient, right? Maybe some of you go shopping with your spouse and you are waiting outside the store or you're waiting in the store or you're waiting if you're in the mall at the bench in the middle of the mall waiting or maybe you didn't even get in the mall. You're in the car waiting for your spouse. Um, That's not me, by the way. Because, see, I figured out a long time ago, just be really miserable around your spouse and you won't get invited to go shopping. So that's sort of the way it works, right? But seriously, when you think about being patient... How patient are you? I just got a look from my wife. <laughs> Love you, babe. Anyway, maybe some of you are fighting a, uh, a, a stubborn illness, some physical challenge, maybe some kind of chronic pain. Maybe and as an athlete, you've, you've struggled with recurring injuries over and over. Maybe you're, you're worried about your, your marriage or you're anxious about your kids. Maybe you're just overly exhausted from work. And all these things are causing you to be impatient. It's hard to be patient in those moments, isn't it? Let me just say this. You're not alone. If I ask everybody to raise their hand in this room right now and say, how many of you struggle with being patient? You're going to see probably 99.9% of the hands go up in the air. And I want to let you know you're not alone. There's others that are with you this morning. And here's the thing. God's people have always struggled with waiting. We can go back to, let's start with Noah. He was in the ark for over a year waiting to get out of that boat. I mean, the rain came for 40 days, but then he had another year for the waters to recede and things to dry enough. Can you imagine another year just waiting on that boat? Or, or how about Abraham and, and Sarah? They waited into their retirement years before they had a baby. Joseph waited in prison to be released. The, the children of God, the, the Hebrew children, they waited as slaves to Pharaoh for over 400 years to be free. And isn't that really what Advent is all about? All those years of waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue us. And finally, word came to mankind that God was going to communicate with his people. And not only communicate with his people, but he would enter this world as a baby. That's part of what Advent is. God entering the scene as Jesus Christ. Emmanuel. Everybody knows what Emmanuel, his name means. God with us. God is with us. Now, we still have to be patient because now we're waiting for his second return, right? God knows it's hard to wait. It's hard to be patient. That's why he gives us his spirit. That's such an incredible thing because God is patient. His spirit is patient. And he gives us his spirit. So we are actually have that embodiment of 
being patient within us. The Bible is very clear as it teaches us why and how to be patient. I want to give you a couple scriptures just to begin with. We'll put them on the screen. When it talks about enduring and waiting, first one comes from James chapter 1. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it as an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, here it comes, your endurance, being patient, long-suffering, has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Another scripture from Paul in Romans chapter 5 says this, We can rejoice too, that when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us what? Develop what? Endurance. Being patient, not giving up. And endurance develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he's given us, here it is, he's given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You see, in these scriptures, these two scriptures especially, adversity develops endurance. Endurance produces character. And that's how we become righteous and mature Christians. Through this process, it's through the trials and the challenges that we learn to persevere and become patient. And we grow. And it's hard, but we really, parents, we really need to teach our children this. You know, it's, it's easy as a parent to say, I don't want my kids to fail. I don't want my kids to have it hard for them. But here's the problem. I'm robbing them the opportunity to grow. Seems easier for me to not want them to fail. But if I let my kids fail, they will become successful in the eyes of the Lord. I have failed at various times, obviously, in trying to do that with my own kids because I don't want them to fail. I get it. But there are times when it's like you just got to let them make that choice. And that's what God does with us. God doesn't want us to be immature. God doesn't want us to give up But he will let us go through trials and suffering because God knows that that will build our character. It will build our endurance. It will help us learn to persevere and become patient and become more like him. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. This is our, our verse for our theme here. It's a wonderful life. We see that Paul says, listen, uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is what? It's, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience. Right there, that's, that's one of those fruits that is within us. Just waiting to grow and become more evident. So I looked up the Greek word for this because, you know, again, I, I want to know, I want to understand, I want to study. And, and the Greek word is, is um, it's, it's actually translated to be going long-suffering. But in Greek, it's, it's, it's marakathromia. Marakathromia. I know it sounds like crazy long words. So it's actually two words brought together. The maka part of it is actually means long. It's where we get our word macaroni, like a long noodle. And the thromia, the thrumos, it means anger. And so when you're looking at something that is long and distant or far, remote, and then you've got something that's like anger or passionate... When you look at the Greek word, it's compounded into one. It's actually picturing the restraint of anger, 
Therefore, it's long-suffering. A better picture, maybe an easier picture to understand, is a candle with a really long wick. And it's going to burn for a while. And it's going to burn for a while. Translated as we are most often, not long-suffering or makrothemia, it would be patience. Patience, as it says there in Galatians 5.22. But Paul says, let me tell you a little bit more about this word. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul commands us, he says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, that's all of us, church, you must, we must clothe ourselves, put on with tender heart and mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and there it is, patience. If we are to be holy as God is holy, if we are to be then patient as God is patient. There's, there's a scripture Second Peter chapter three verse nine, and this is this is one of my favorite verses. And, and here's the thing: let's remember this. Who is God? What is His nature? What is His characteristics like? Because that is what His spirit is like. And if His spirit is like that, and His spirit is in us, then we are like God when we reflect us. Listen, what Second Peter three nine says: The Lord isn't really slow about His promise to return, as some people think. Don't we often think that God, when are you coming back? When are you going to send Jesus? When is it going to be the end times? You're really slow, aren't you, God? No. He is being patient. There's that word, same word as in Galatians. He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish, so he's given more time for everyone to repent. God's like, you know what? I'm long-suffering. I'm waiting patiently because I don't want anyone to die and go to hell. I want everyone to be in the presence of, of me in, in eternity. That's what God wants. So God is patient with us because he doesn't want us to go to hell. And because God is patient, his spirit is patient, because his spirit dwells us, we then can become patient. But what does Paul say in Colossians 3.12? We have to clothe ourselves with it. We have to put it on. Think about this. You wake up in the morning and you go to your closet, your, your dress or whatever it is, wherever you have your clothes stashed away, and you choose. Let's see, I'm going to wear this, I'm going to wear that. Now, for ladies, you might pick yourself out the night before. Maybe. I don't know. Okay? Men, we're like, what's well, this? Sure enough. Okay. Um, that's me. But we still pick it out, right? But here's the key thing. You might see it in your closet. You might see it in your dresser. You might see, here it is. This is what I'm going to wear. But you still have to grab it and put it on. It doesn't jump on you by accident. It isn't like, okay, shirt, land on me. Okay, pants, pull up on me. Okay? You still have to go and reach and take it off the hanger, take it out of the dresser, and put it on. So the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has equipped us with all this, but we still have to engage. Yes, you have patience, but you still have to put it on. You know, I was thinking about this. Walking in patience is just as much a choice as to walk with clothes on. I wake up, it's like, I gotta put something on, right? Especially when it's cold. Well, I, I might even put on an extra layer. In the same way, spiritually, we put on these things. And recently, I mean, this just happened. It's like, all right, I gotta be careful what I preach on because God usually gives me an example that week, right? And sure enough, I mean, I dealt with impatience very recently. And as I was working on something, 
being a little handicapped right now, not being able to fully twist and use tools, I'm working on something right now, and I was not getting it. I couldn't get things to line up, and I couldn't get the screwdriver all the way. And I was like, oh, I was, I let out the, Rah! I was mad, okay? I was like a Shrek yell. And I, and I just, like, whew, okay, I feel good. I just had to let it out, right? No, then I had to take off my hoodie. I was working up a sweat with just a screwdriver, right? Most people work up a sweat running a marathon or something. I'm like, I'm doing a screwdriver. It was, here, here's what's happening. My bl- blood was boiling. Isn't that what happens when you get a little frustrated? My blood's boiling. Now I get it because now everything else, my temperature rose. I'm whipping off that hoodie and I'm like, ah. Praise the Lord, family members came downstairs to rescue me. And, uh, and uh, you'll see this point further in my message, I, I had to apologize and say, man, I'm sorry, I'm just frustrated because I can get this. And, um, and after I had received a little help, I did say to my son, thanks, you just helped me with, I think, maybe sermon point number three uh, somewhere tomorrow. I'm actually preaching on this, you know, and I, wow, I can't believe it. But here's the thing. Just as I took off that hoodie, okay, because I was impatient, it reminded me that Colossians 3, I need to put on patience. Here, I was whipping off patience, Right? I was super impatient. And I'm sitting there going, wow, what a good illustration for myself. I need to apply it, right? As we all do. And it's like, all right, God, thanks for giving me that. I, I, that's going to stick with me, I know, right? But here's the thing about being patient. It's not being impatient with just things, with tools, with programming, whatever. We get probably more impatient with what? People. It's probably the hardest thing to be patient with with people. As Christians, here's the thing. We have an obligation before God to not be short-tempered or quickly angered with people who struggle and fail. Instead, we're supposed to be patient with them and help them. And that's difficult, isn't it? I remember a few years back when I was coaching, the first few weeks, I was so impatient with my players. And here's why. They were just 12-year-olds but I expected them to play like 20-year-olds. And for the first two weeks, as I'm watching them do things, I'm like, well, why didn't they make that play? Why didn't they make... And I was, I was getting impatient with them. I'm thinking, God, you're going to have to help me coach these guys because they don't get it. And then the guy's like, it's because they're 12. Oh. So I'm expecting them to be somebody they're not, and that's why I was impatient. And God's like, yeah. Sort of like you expect that person over there to act like a Christian. They're not a Christian. So don't expect them to act like Christians. A lot of times we get mad with people because they aren't acting very Christ-like. That's because they're not Christians. You can't expect somebody who's not a Christian to act like a Christian. You can't expect a dog to act like a cat because it's a dog, right? Does it make sense? So a lot of times when we are frustrated with people, or we're angry with people, or impatient with people, it's because we're expecting them to be somebody that they are not. And sometimes God's got to wake us up to that and say, they're not that way. You can't expect that of them. Why don't you work on you right now and help them? So we all need patience. Patience with our children, children with us parents, teachers with your kids, kids with your teachers, spouses with each other, friends with friends. We all need to put on that patience with, with one another. Hebrews chapter 12, are you there? I want go through, I think, four, maybe five. I don't know, I just lose track. Uh, I'll give you some quick steps here on how to apply some patience, how to put this into practice. And we find it from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. And before we jump into Hebrews, let me just let me say this. Here's the, here's the first, first thing you've got to do, and that is embrace adversity. And when I mean embrace adversity, I don't mean like, oh, I can't wait to bring the adversity on. No, no, no. I'm just saying adversity is going to come. Peter said, fiery trials are always going to come your way. Expect it, right? 
So when something bad happens, it's like you can't avoid it. You can't dodge it. There's no good to complain about it. Just embrace it. Okay, I'm facing a tough time. Bring it on. It's here. Embrace it. Now, God, how am I going to grow through this moment of adversity? That's the first thing. We embrace it. Here's the second thing we do, and that is we surround ourselves with positive people that are going to help you. That was the point I learned when my family came in to help me out, right? Let's read Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with the endurance the race God has set before us. For we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. I love how this begins. Is that Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and we have to stop and pause, remember that chapter 11 of Hebrews lists a, a whole slew of men and women of faith. Men and women who were champions for God. And it's like they're in heaven. They're just, and it's like a big, you imagine being in a big stadium. You can't even see the top row. And it's surrounded with men and women of God of faith who just love the Lord. And you're out of midcourt and they're just cheering you on. That's what we're picturing here. We're surrounded by these cloud of witnesses and we're told, run with endurance. You have people cheering you on. That's why it's important to make sure that you look at Scripture, see what it says, and then say, okay, God, I don't feel like I'm in that stadium right now. Then let me ask you this. How can you be involved in a small group? Youth group on Wednesday nights, Tupac, GPS, a small group, small Bible study. Are you involved in a small group? Because I'm going to tell you something. That's your, that's right, that might be part of your cloud of witnesses right there. People who are going to cheer you on together. We all need a small group. We all need people we can connect with. Thursdays at Pantry, it's, it's, a, it's a fun day. Not just because we're serving and helping people who are hungry, but people who show up and volunteer. They become like a, they're like a little family with each other. I mean, it's like you're surrounded by people who are cheering each other on. Here's the thing. And if you don't have a small group, you don't have a family, or you're trying to find somehow, all right, God, I need to be cheered on right now, pick up a book, find a movie, uh, Listen to a story of somebody who inspires you, a hero, somebody who's going to come along and say, you know what, they battled something similar to what I battled, and look how they handled it, and they were inspiring. Read those stories. Surround yourself with people who are positive and going to encourage you to, to endure and not give up. I know this. I'm not strong enough at times to handle my own circumstances. I'm not. That's why it's good for me to have my family, to have friends, to have this church. Somebody can walk alongside and give, give me a hand when I need. We all need that. Here's the third thing about being patient and enduring. We need to get rid of what's holding us back. Again, in Scripture, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, what does it say? Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now, most of you know this. It's no secret that Olympians back in ancient history, they basically ran with nothing on. 
I mean, that, that's how they ran. And today, we watch the Olympics, and we see some of these track stars, and it almost looks like they've got almost nothing on, and you almost blush at you look and see what they're wearing. But here's the thing. They know this, that if they're going to run the fastest they can run, they don't want anything that's going to hinder them. Have you ever seen a track star run with a backpack on? Snow boots? Snowmobile suit? No, you don't, do you? They, they strip off everything that's going to slow them down. Spiritually speaking, we're to do the same. First, it begins with sin. It's a, it's a heart, it's a heart uh, moment where we look in our hearts and say, God, forgive me of these sins. Because they slow us down. Sin does slow us down. But there's other things that slow us down too. Disbelief. Doubt. When we're doubting God, how can our faith be active and how can we press on, right? How about this? How about self-pity? Self-pity slows us down. Trips us up, doesn't it? But you don't know what I've lost. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've left behind. You know, it's, it's so hard. And I hear you, and I'm not arguing with you. But I heard a statement from Dr. David Jeremiah, and it's a powerful statement. He said this, I'll put it on the screen. Don't focus on what you have lost, but what you have left. Because what you have left includes all the power and the promises of God through Jesus Christ. It's a powerful statement. We've all lost something or someone. We've all felt that pain. But do not forget what you have left. Because what you have left that surrounds you includes the promises and the power of God. And that's important. Here's the fourth thing. Don't even think about quitting. Non-negotiable. With your faith, with your education, with your marriage, whatever it may be. When I have a, a, a young couple sit in front of me, they're going to get married. I start counseling with them. First thing I ask them, how long do you want to be married? You know, and they're like, they give me that look. Like, that's a stupid question. Well, I just want to know because not everybody, you know, they, they, they come in here and they say they're going to till death do us part, but they don't. So I just want to know because here's the thing. I want you to stay married till death do you part. It's non-negotiable. Make it non-negotiable. You don't walk into a relationship with an, with an out. In life, you, you know, education, like I said, whatever it may be, your marriage, your faith, understand this, don't quit. Keep pushing forward. Finally, stay focused on the goal. Again, in Scripture, Jesus endured the cross because why? Because he anticipated the joy that would follow. He could see beyond the cross and see heaven. He could see salvation for all mankind. We endure because he endured. And he endures still both now and forever. So our ability to endure whatever life throws at us is rooted and grounded in the enduring quality and nature of our Savior. Listen, God's indwelling spirit enables us to endure. How can I be patient? Because God's spirit is in you. That's how. And you say, well, I can't. And I would say, you're right. You can't, but the spirit within you can. Therefore, you will be patient. As followers of Christ, I said this every week, you have received the gift of salvation from God. We are recipients of God's grace and mercy. Isn't that good news? We're forgiven of our sins. Isn't that good news? We are living in a, a reconciled relationship with God. 
Isn't that good news? There's a lot of good news you should be hearing from the pulpit, right? And this is, this is a lot of it right here. And here's the thing. Being in a new relationship with God, we are in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So he places within us the power and the presence of God. And that includes love, joy, peace, patience within you and I. It's there. Sort of a, uh, an unknown or maybe fun fact, I don't know, whatever it might, you want to call it. But I like to write devotionals. Every week I'll send something out to you as to the church. Sometimes if you get my, uh, my weekly updates on FCA, you get a devotional there, and sometimes they're the same. But I like to write devotionals, and so the, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, over the past many years, they contact me from the National Headquarters and say, hey, will you write some more devotionals for us? And so I send them in. They publish them in their, in their books, in their Bibles. I don't get a penny for anything I wrote. I just get the honor of doing it. I got a good buddy in the Ukraine. His name is Yosha. Yosha um, saw him a few years ago. He handed me this book. It's all written in Russian. It's one of our devotional books from FCA. And he goes, Rex, Rex, look here. Your name is here. And he opened it up. And it's like, I can't read it. It's Russian. But it, he said, right there's your name. I said, well, it looks like Peter, but I'll go with Rex. Okay. Um, so, but he's like, I was thinking, oh, that's how cool that is that globally, the things that, that I share spiritually are going around the world. And then FCA also takes some of my devotionals and they'll send them out maybe maybe in their daily email. So if you have ever subscribed to that, you get a daily email. It looks like this. And now at the bottom, they will list um, the person who wrote it plus an email. So lately, on occasion, if they do one of those, I never know when they're out there until I get a random email from somebody from the state of Washington to the East Coast, or who knows where, a little small school in Indiana. I just get a random email that says, hey, thanks for sending that, for writing that devotional today. And I'm going, oh, they must have published one of them today. Um, and so it's like, well, that's cool. That's encouraging. But here's, here's what I'm, why I'm telling you this. Because this week I received an incredible email. And I wanted to share that email with you. So I wanted to give you the backdrop as to why I get these emails on occasion. And here's what I do with these emails. I file them away in my, I got a bunch of email boxes, like whether it's the church or something else, and there's one that says encouragement. Because I too struggle with being impatient and wanting to quit and give up at times. Life is a challenge, we all know that. So I need a little word of encouragement every now and then. So I just go to my encouragement email box, and there's all these emails that I've saved over the years, when it's like, Yep, okay, I just, okay, I need to be, I need to remember. Because I really would rather just go flip burgers right now than doing what I'm doing, right? Because it doesn't, isn't it easier just to flip a burger than instead of trying to share the word with somebody? But no, this is what God's called me to do, right? So this is the email I received, and I wanted to share it with you. Um, because uh, to me, there was, there, was a, there was the spirit that was working in this email in a way that I could not coordinate with what I was preaching on. It just happened. He wrote this. He said, Hi, Rex. Thank you for the wonderful message this morning. Your words have a very compelling and comforting tone. They're so timely with where we are as individuals in society today. I'm an 81-year-old former Luther College coach who started the FCA chapter here in 1970. It's one of the proudest moments of my distinguished 40-plus years of higher education as a professor, administrator at Wisconsin, New Mexico, Arizona, and UNLV. Today I'm retired and fighting the battle of cancer. Numerous of my former FCA members are leading the prayer charge on my behalf. I'm not afraid to die because I know where I'm going. And my mantra is, thy will be done. I'm writing to you to let you know how important your dedication to the Lord is for our society today. And I applaud you for your commitment 
to be a soldier for God. Surrounded by a cloud of witnesses right here. Somebody's cheering me on. And I was thinking about that and I read on. He concluded the email saying, I recently wrote a little book entitled Jesus is in Our Dugout. It focuses on my early days of coaching baseball at Luther College and the impact of FCA on some of those players. If you'd like a copy, send me your mailing address. I will forward a book to you. So I replied back, Richard, wow, thank you for your kind words and encouragement. I'm sorry to hear about your battle with cancer. I fully understand as my family has dealt with cancer. Matter of fact, I found something years ago that I've shared with my family members and others. And I'm going to put it up on the screen so you can see it. Some of you know I've sent this to you before as well. What cancer can't do. Cancer is so limited. It cannot cripple love. It cannot shatter hope. It cannot corrode faith. It cannot destroy peace. It cannot kill friendship. It cannot suppress memories. It cannot silence courage. It cannot invade the soul. It cannot steal eternal life. It cannot conquer the spirit. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I went on to tell him, God sees your struggles. God feels your tears. God holds your hand. May you find comfort in knowing you're never alone. I went on to share Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. It says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me. Everything you heard from me and see and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. I continued to write in my email to him saying, I know you are praying. Keep praying. Keep telling God what you need and give him thanks. His peace will guard your heart like a Roman soldier that guards the entrance to a city. Nothing will pass into your soul that does not exalt God. His peace is beyond understanding. And that is the peace I will pray for you today. So I finished my email to him by saying, I would love to read your book. I'm a baseball dad, a former coach. My three sons have played, are current players in high school and college. Unfortunately, we struggle with injuries, but we press on. There's more to life than baseball. Thanks again for reaching out. Your email is a blessing to me. Merry Christmas, your new friend, Rex. Within the next few hours, Richard replied back to me. He said this, Your message about cancer is really a spiritual experience for me. I cried through most of it. So it took me a while to read. But oh, what peace and comfort it brings for the cancer battle. I'll be happy to send you a copy of my little book, Jesus in our dugout. I'm pleased to hear about your interest that you and your sons have in the great game of baseball. As for injuries, I can relate to that too. I was a little league superstar who got kicked out at age 11 because I struck out everybody. My dad had been an amateur pitcher, taught me very young. I had numerous no-hitters, including my first game in high school. 
By age 16, I had regular workouts with the then who would be Milwaukee Braves who wanted to sign me at age 16. My dad insisted I go to college, which was excellent advice. But my first college start, I tore my rotator cuff on a cold, windy day in Illinois. I was devastated. My dream in pitching in the majors was over. I tried to overcome the loss, even tried alcohol. That didn't work. That summer, my mom, a very devout Christian, sat on our front doorstep with me, and she put her arm around me, and she said, Dick, I know you're disappointed that you will not pitch pro ball, but I think God has more important things for you to do than throw baseballs. What a wonderful statement from a mom who had a ninth grade education and how right she was. I graduated from college with a BS and an MS, coached baseball and basketball at California Lutheran College and Luther College for a few years while earning my doctorate in health sciences at the University of Utah. My career was spent in higher education developing graduate programs in health education, health promotion, and public health. In addition, I stayed active as a Christian counselor for over 1,500 clergy members who needed help. I stayed in touch with my FCA members and as a member of our Lutheran churches. As you'll find out in my book, FCA has been the shining light for my career. Sorry to have bored you with all this personal stuff, but I want you and others, listen carefully, I want you and others to know that God has plans for us that far surpass anything that we can see in our present state of mind. Our challenge is to find the path that he has designed for us and then stay on that path despite the many distractions. Like I used to tell the FCA members, keep your compass pointing true north to Jesus and he'll bring you home. He had no clue I pastored a church called True North. Now I have to keep reminding myself of that message. Your email had a wonderful impact on me because it demonstrates how my cancer cannot destroy me and that God is there at all times. May God bless you and continue to bless you and your loved ones. Best wishes for a Merry Christmas. Your friend in Christ, Richard. Worship team, would you come forward, please? As I read Richard's email, I, I couldn't help but think about how life challenges us. And challenges us to be patient. And challenges us to wait on God. And face all these different obstacles that we face. And, but as his email said, and I love what he said in here, he said, all our life is a journey. And as we face the many obstacles, he said this, don't give up. Stay on course. Keep your compass pointing true north to Jesus. And I about fell over when I read that. I was like, this is how God works, right? Would you stand, please? You know, what's amazing is that each of these things that we are empowered with by the Holy Spirit are the thing, same things that we are challenged with. See, I, I want to express the love of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes resentment sneaks in. I, I want to experience joy, but disappointment challenges me. I, I want to practice the peace of the Holy Spirit, but anxiety is always knocking on the heart of my door, the door of my heart. I want to exhibit goodness of the Holy Spirit, but greed and selfishness try to have its way with me. But by the power of God and the Spirit of God that embodies us, church, even when we are trying to endure and not give up, the Spirit says, be patient. 
I'm with you. I'm with you. So embrace this moment. I'm going to teach you something. Surround yourself with people that are going to cheer you on. Do not give up. Press on. Press on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. So easy to become impatient. We forget to sometimes get dressed and put on that patience. But God, your spirit is within us. We have what it takes to be patient. So God, help us where we struggle. Help us to remember that you are our true north. Our direction comes from you. When we're lost, when we can't figure it out, we we look to you. In a dark world, we need something that shines. We need that light. That's you. You came on that dark night over 2,000 years ago when you invaded this planet. And when you left after your resurrection, you left us with your Holy Spirit. And so empowered by your Holy Spirit, we are equipped, God, ready to serve you, ready to be a witness to this world. So God, help us witness to this world by being patient. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for this time to worship you, Lord. As we sing to you, may you be honored. In thy name we pray. Amen.